Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican's podcast. I'm Chris Gunnis. This is The Art of Change, a series featuring artists who are passionate about changing the world. Today, the second in a four-part series featuring Stephen Fry, writer, actor, comedian and campaigner, who I've been talking to about many issues, including his own bipolarity. Last time, we explored Beethoven's suicidal Heiligenstadt Testament, the note written to his brothers as his deafness drove him to the depths of depression, but also to the heights of creativity. I put it to Stephen that it was this aspect of Beethoven, the highs and the lows, that really spoke to him. Before I could even begin to understand it, and I'm not claiming that I really do now, because who can understand music, but when I was... 13, 12, 13, 14, a miserable adolescent, not quite knowing what my sexuality was or what love could sex and everything else was and not conforming to rules. I, the, one of the pieces of music that most obsessed me, there was a little gramophone room in the school and you could go and you could book it. Uh, and there was, because you know people didn't have their own music systems in those days, or if they Hard did. Hard to imagine, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, most of the fellow schools, it was all Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, and charming too, but, but, uh, <laughs> but I would go down and I discovered the Egmont Overture. And I, which is like all of Beethoven concentrated into mm. capsule forms. If you want to know what Beethoven is like, in a way, it's the perfect piece of music because it has so many of the qualities that I've been talking about. And I would go and I would air conduct uh, with tears streaming down my face. Oh. I mean, absolutely in a state of complete bewildered ecstasy in the way that only an adolescent can be. And... And maybe that connection that I forged with Beethoven <laughs> is still alive, so that, that that's something that his music still does, the inexplicable power to 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 to, to make me go, yes! You know, that, that, that it reminds me that's, uh, of a great line of Philip Larkin's. You know, he wrote a poem on Sidney Bechet, his passion was mm. jazz, of course. Um, and, and I could say this of Beethoven, on me your sound falls as they say love should, like an enormous yes. Oh, isn't that magical? It? I think that's magical. it. Now, obviously, I don't know what it's like to, to, to lose hearing. We, we, we all, all of those who are blessed with, with hearing and, and, and sight and all the, the senses are bound to imagine sometimes what, what it'd be like. Uh, and we know from the extraordinary achievements of people who, who have no hearing or have been born deaf or who have acquired it, uh, and, and similarly with sight too, uh, what, what they're capable of. And Beethoven is, is an example 
of that too. Mm. He's an example of something that's taken us a long time fully to understand that the only real disability is a lack of curiosity, a lack of will, a lack of love. <laughs> Those are disabilities. But a lack of hearing is something that doesn't stop anybody from being wow. a, a 100% human. It's only a lack of love that stops you being 100% human. Stephen, I have to ask you, um, one of the things I assume that attracts you to Beethoven is this man of great highs and great lows. You've been mm. very very passionately and very movingly honest about your own manic depression or bipolarity. Is that one of your attractions to Beethoven? Yes, it is, I think. I think because... um for two reasons. One, because you feel a fellow spirit in some way, someone who is also, you know, uh, brave enough to... He is, in his case, brave enough to reveal something about the human spirit. Uh, I mean, Mozart was charming and sometimes little moments flares of it mm. uh, but but with with Beethoven there's a true sense of the frailty and vulnerability of what it is to be human so there's that but also there's a I won't say a curative because that's certainly not the word but there's a healing quality mm. to that to listening to it that actually helps um, especially with those quartets I find that they do uh, you know when combined with not you know, not drinking too much and walking and eating properly and all the other things that sort of supposedly help one's mental health as well as clearly one's physical health. Um, but yes, you you look to that that sort of thing that the the purity and the passion uh, of of art does help with the mind, mm. I think. And when I get a lot of letters from people saying, you know, what, what, how do you stay sane? And I say, well, I, I don't, <laughs> for a start. <laughs> I, you, you, part it's partly acceptance of, of, who, of, of what is a doctor would call a chronic condition. Mm. I, it's there, like, I don't know, diabetes or asthma or something. That's, you're just gonna, it's how you manage it and cope mm. with it. And, and one of the ways I cope with it is to... Is to um, bathe myself in music like Beethoven's and to think of people who've gone before me who've been lit by the flame of mania and doused by the icy water of depression mm. and and lived those lives of fl- flaring up and, and going down and, and being close to the edge and how they have managed managed to do things and to achieve things and to retain their love and hope and and I, one clings to that and I'm of course luckier than so many others and I have so, so much support around me and, mm. and I've also been able to give myself time to help myself physically which I think is a huge help yeah um, yeah yeah can I ask you though I mean it's a very personal stuff but you have attempted suicide mm. three times you've mm. been very public very movingly passionate about the issues yeah. around that in those low moments do composers like Beethoven do what he stands for mean even more or is that too cheesy a thing to ask you I think they do when you recover from the the, yeah. the real depths that, that make you want to take your life because once you come to that feeling that's inside you this overwhelming feeling of of it's, it's, it's such a cheap phrase it sounds what's the point but there that's sort of really what it's about inside you you just do not see the point of anything nothing has flavor or savor nothing has any meaning everything is just hopeless there's no future there's no sense of anything ahead of you and um, you have to hope that something will stop you and in my case it was just failed uh, attempts um and waking up in a hospital or whatever and in your recovery in the fact that you realize people kind enough to forgive you because you feel such a fool and you feel you 
you know, you've done it to them. You know, all the guilt and shame that mm. comes from a, 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 an attempt on one's life that has gone wrong. And, and, and it's in the recovery. It's when you suddenly find that flavor. It's suddenly life is color again. And, and, and uh, Beethoven is a perfect example um, of someone who brings that color back to you quicker than mm. almost anything else. Wow. And that's a sign wow. that you're yeah, back, yeah. you know. Yeah. I've actually seen you said you couldn't imagine life without Beethoven. Is no, that, is this what you're talking about? In it part? is. It is that, and it's. A, I, and I'm fully aware that to those you know for whom all this is, the, I don't know, elitist or something. Uh, um, it sounds pretentious, and and uh, it's you know obviously I can't make someone feel what I feel when I listen to Beethoven, but I do know. Uh, many, uh, many others who feel the same, and mm. and, and many others who are, who are not in any way musicians or in any way from privileged backgrounds, where they've uh, you, you had it taught to them. Mm. You can't really mm. somehow you mm. respond, and yeah. you just hope. I mean, it's the greatest hope of those of us who love Beethoven is is that this celebration of him, his life, his personality, his struggle, his art, all of, all the things we know about him, will will just you know open the door to. To, to more young people who will suddenly hear him and be thrilled by what they hear and realize that he is a modernist. He, is, he walks with us in the present in the way that music always can and that he's not a bit of... He's, he's probably the first of the great composers not to have a wig, which is huge, <laughs> which I know is a huge off-putting thing for a lot of people. Are, you know, they describe classical music as, as the people in wigs and, and I can see what they mean, Handel and Bach and Mozart. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the wigs get smaller, <laughs> but eventually they have their own hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hair of Schubert and, <laughs> and the marvellous hair of, of, of Beethoven. Now, when you describe him as a great humanitarian, what exactly are you getting at? Well, I suppose you can look at uh, the, the obvious landmarks in his music, like the Eroica, which he famously scratched out his dedication to, to, to Napoleon because he couldn't bear tyranny. So he was, a, in that sense, he was a... Certainly can't use phrases like left wing, but he was a man of the people. You know, he had supported the revolution. He didn't like the aristocracy. He believed in uh, that that all men, and by that he meant mankind, of course, it wasn't a gender weighted, um, should be brothers, uh, i.e., brothers and sisters. All humanity are brothers and sisters, which to us is an easy thing to say and sounds like a cheap greeting card. But uh, but in the early nineteenth century, this was revolution, and it led in the eighteen forties, twenty years after his death, to the great period of revolutions that looked as if it, you know, it dislodged a lot of ruling houses and so on, and it was the beginning of the journey of of our species, certainly in Europe, obviously, uh, uh, from the enslavement of ecclesiasticism and absolute monarchy to some element of democracy. Of course, it didn't stop the beginning of the age of empire and the uh, the, the, the shackling of many others and slavery was still going on in his time. So, of course, we can scold the era very properly uh, for all the things that it got wrong in our estimation. But there was uh, there were energies in it that still to this day are about about the human spirit, about the greatness of the individual, the possibility of the individual. And um, in a sense, that's that's it's the dance of 
of one rather than the courtly minuet and the dance of many. You know, it's the fact that the music is sudden. Like, you know, when I was a teenager and, and, and I did listen to what was laughingly called prog rock, you know. So, <laughs> and you would, you'd have the album on your on your legs and maybe someone was skidding up a joint and, 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 and you would listen to those guitar, long guitar breaks or huge drum solos and, and it, it wasn't that wasn't dance music in any way. Yeah. That was, it was something else. Some of it was absurdly pretentious, of course, and, and silly, and, and but but uh, it was about the same idea. These, we, you know, we were a generation that were not going to be told, mm. and 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 for all that I'm a kind of embedded in an establishment, and my voice sounds as if my you know vocal cords sounds as if they're made of tweed. <laughs> uh, I, I I am someone who has the greatest admiration for people who won't be told, won't be told what mm. to think, won't, won't be told what to how to eat, how to paint, how to draw, how to, you know, who reinvent and who stand up and who, who, who are, and I, I kind of sometimes wish that young people were more, that, you know, mm. I, probably uh, get my memories and, and uh, vanities saying this, but it seems like earlier younger generations were, you know, mm. right up through the 70s with punk and everything, were much more, much more able to express that. And, and, and Beethoven, you know, had a punk sensibility, if you mm. like, I mean, not obviously in the music, but in that, you know, he just, uh, damn you, yeah, was his yeah. view. He shook a fist at fate. I mean, you know, the most famous tune in all classical music isn't even a tune, it's a rhythm. Ba, 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 ba. Yep. And it's, you know, it was first in his lifetime described as fate knocking on the door. Mm. And it is. And of course, it happened to have this remarkable coincidence that it's also the, the Morse code. Signed mm. for, uh, for 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 the letter V, yep. so it was used for victory amongst the Allies in the Second World War. The da 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 da, mm. um, and then Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, the 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 Ode to Joy section, became the hymn of the of Europe, mm. um, and it still is to this day. So he's always been, you know, connected with this this idea of shaking your fist at uh, tyranny and uh, absolutism, uh, and being free. That was Stephen Fry ending this edition of The Art of Change on Nothing Concrete with me, Chris Gunnis. Next time, the third of our four-part series with Stephen Fry, in which he'll talk about his international advocacy for gay rights and men being more open about prostate cancer. You can subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help get the word out. Until next time, from me, Chris Gunnis, goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.